0: It may be today, amen? I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to it, amen? And uh, I just want to say it's uh, good to be back home, amen? And uh, being able to spend a, day with, a few days with you all, with the college, being with the college this week and all. And um, we, uh, we've been doing well. The, uh, it's been good to be around the kids and spend time with them and things. And uh, over the holidays, of course, we all got sick over the holidays, but uh, so I'm just coming off of that. This is actually the first time i preached in... Uh, about two weeks, so uh, if I uh, cough a little bit here and there, just uh, bear with me, but uh, good to see you all looking forward to spending some time fellowshipping with everybody and uh, good to be back. Grab your Bible and turn to Acts chapter ten if you would Acts chapter ten I don 't know about you, but the beginning of the year to me is always a time of year where I is a lot of reflection, not just the end of the year but the beginning of the year and i I, I tend to want to uh, kind of evaluate where I'm at, what's going on in my life, uh, uh, where, what, maybe what I've failed in the, in the past, this past year, to do and accomplish and be uh, for the Lord. And uh, I'm, I'm always challenged around the new year about the thing about uh, the, uh, being a witness and being a testimony and soul winning. And uh, that's got to be so much a part of our life as a child of God, the reason why we're here uh, why God didn't take us home is we've got to be faithful to him. And, um, you know, when I, I think about Acts chapter 10, uh, I, I personally think that this uh, story here is probably one of the greatest stories of conversion in the Bible. And uh, it's a very, uh, it, it, of course, salvation is simplistic. It really is. And the fact that it's just a matter of faith and trust and belief in Jesus Christ and putting our trust in him, but what brings about conversion many times is very complex. And uh, I tied to this little thought, this little message, the, the simplicity and yet the complexity of conversion. It's a very simple thing. The scripture is very clear on that. Second Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3 says, but I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety So your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And it is simple, but a lot of times it's very complex how a person comes to the point of trusting Christ. And I want to talk about that a little bit here. I'm just going to have a word of prayer with you, and then we'll break this down a little bit, and then I'm going to share a story with you at the end, and it's a story that some some of you have heard before. I've shared it before, uh, but uh, it'll bring out what I'm trying to get to this morning, so it's good to see y'all. Good to see all you young people. Glad you're here, and uh, if I don't look that way very much, don't. Don't think I'm not thinking about you, okay? All right. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here today. And Lord, I do pray that you would speak to hearts and challenge each and every one of us. Thank you for giving us life, Lord. And uh, God, you are the giver of life and you're the sustainer of life. And we praise you and thank you for that. And I pray that today, uh, Lord, we draw closer to you because of the events that take place today, this day. And Lord, help us to serve you better every day. Please speak to hearts and challenge us through the simple truth. And, Father, we'll be careful to give you the glory, for it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. I want you to just stop for a moment and think, how many of you know the story of Cornelius, the centurion that was, uh, you've heard that story preached on before, you know about it. Um, but I, I want you to just stop and think with me, if you would, about how complex this uh, story of salvation was and all that goes into someone being saved. Now, think about verse number one. It says there was a certain man in uh, Caesarea named Cornelius a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? He said unto him, thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. I want you to just stop and think about, first of all, uh, in, the, in the, the bringing to pass of someone being saved, typically, first of all, there's an individual that's searching or seeking. Now, Cornelius was searching. He was seeking. And I think sometimes we think, well, you know what? Nobody wants to hear. How many of you have told yourself that or let the devil tell you that? <laughs> People don't want to hear, people don't want to, but I'm going to tell you what, there are people everywhere that are wanting to hear, that are searching for truth. And especially in the day and age that we're in, there's people searching, trying to find out what's really true. And uh, Cornelius, he was, a, he was a good man, and he, he was searching. He did not have the truth. Um, I was thinking about... Uh, a story uh, that happened a number of years ago. I was uh, preaching a revival for Brother Ted Houston when he was pastoring in Jeff City, Missouri. And we were uh, uh, knocking on doors in in an apartment complex. And uh, it was uh, the very last set of doors we were knocking. It's a three-story apartment complex. And uh, we come around the corner on the last flight to go up. It was my turn to talk. We were... Bouncing back and forth, and and as I uh, got up uh, the staircase, there the staircase went up, turned, and then went up again. And as I came around the corner there, there was two ladies outside talking, and uh, we startled them, and they were kind of shaken by us, uh, our presence being there, and they'd kind of jump back. And we said, "Well, we're sorry, we're sorry, we're just we're out from the church." And and when I said that, the one young lady was 22, 23. She kind of just looked at us strange, and uh, the old older lady that was with her, I say older lady, I shouldn't say that. She was only about 40 years old. Anyways, <laughs> she, she, they're looking at each other like, what is this about? And um, uh, I said, we're just out here visiting. From, we're out from Central Baptist Church here in Jeff City and just uh, talking to people about the Lord. And when I said that, her eyes got about that big. And uh, she looked at us, and then she looked back at the other lady, the younger lady, looked back at the older lady, and, and she says... Uh, uh, I, I said, uh, you know, uh, we're just asking people to question the most important question in life. Are you 100% certain if you were to die today that you'd go to heaven? And when I said that, she tears welled up in her eyes. And she looked at me and she said, I can't believe you asked that question. And I said, why? She said, we were just sitting here talking. I had a dream last night. And it was so dark. And I was so scared. I dreamed that I died but it was just pitch black and it was, I said, ma'am, I said, uh, I, I said do you know what's going to happen when you die? She said, no, I don't know that. I said, wouldn't you like to know? Yes, I would. And so in the next few moments, we sat there and led this lady to the Lord and uh, boy, just the scales falling off her eyes and, and uh, the lady that was with her was already saved and uh, she had been trying to talk to her and help her, but uh, her name was Adrienne. Adrienne got saved. And um, that day, and she came to church, got baptized during the revival meeting. She joined the church and became a member there in Jeff City at Brother Houston's church and was faithful for a couple of years before they moved and all. Uh, but what are you saying, Brother Martin? There was somebody that was searching. Now You say, well, that's kind of a dramatic kind of story. Now, listen, there are people out there that are searching. And it's up to us, and God's commissioned every one of us to be the faithful witness that we're supposed to be. Uh, not only is there usually an individual searching, uh, but uh, in verse number five here, it says, and now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And when the angel was spa- uh, which uh, spake, Unto Cornelius was departed. He called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them and waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. The second thing was uh, there was an individual who was searching for God, trying to find God. But the second thing was there's a response and instruction from God. God instructed him what to do. And he responded on what God instructed him. Um, I was thinking about this in the respect of, uh, I've shared this story here before, but a couple of years ago, well, actually it's been four or five years ago now, uh, I, I was at home, I got home from a meeting and um, I uh, um, got a, uh, a, a letter in the mail from a, an old firefighter buddy and uh, hadn't seen him in over 20 years. And that basically that letter stated, it said that he had actually gotten a track that I had left at the station. I'd, I'd go back now and then and leave uh, tracks there, and, and it was tracked from Heritage, and he'd contacted Heritage, got the got the uh, my address, and uh, sent me this letter, and said, "Just uh, I, I'm Danny, I'm trying to get a hold of you. I, I'm I'm on a search trying to find God, and I thought if I could get a hold of you, you'd help me." And I called him the next morning, and uh, that was on a Tuesday morning, and um, uh, got talking with him, and found out that. Uh, uh, you know he was really going through some hard times in his life. I'd witnessed to this guy before. He claimed to be saved, but I uh, uh, I said you're not going to believe this. This is just the sovereignty of God. I said uh, tomorrow I'm going to be in a meeting from Wednesday through Sunday, ten miles from you. And um, I uh, invited him to come to the meeting, and it was a tent meeting. And uh, I was preaching Wednesday night, first speaker, and <clears throat> he said, Danny, I'll try to be there. Uh, anyways I'm sitting there going over my notes and and I feel this big hand on my shoulder and I look up and it's the guy's name's Chuck it's Chuck standing there and uh so I started talking to him just for a few moments I was going over my notes trying to get ready to preach and and I said listen I said Chuck I said I witnessed to you time and time again when I was in the department you said you were saved and he dropped his head and I said you said you knew you were going to go to heaven I said Chuck are you sure about that and he just shook his head he said Danny I'm i been, I was in church. I sat with my mom, my grandma and everything. And I just, uh, you know, I, I heard it all, but he said, I never did buy into it. I said, what do you mean you didn't buy into it? He said, I, I, I didn't do it. And I said, well, you stay here. And I'm trying to cut this thing short, but uh, he, uh, uh, I got up and preached. When I got done preaching, come back down and he was just under so much conviction. And I said, I said, Chuck, don't you want to know? Don't you want to have the assurance in your heart? He said, I do, Danny. We went up to the altar and the, knelt down in the sawdust there and led him to the Lord. And uh, we have kept contact, been ba- faithful. Ashley, I don't know if I shared this with you or not, preacher, but back in July, I was at uh, the church uh, uh, where, I, where we were out of when we first went in the ministry. And uh, it was our home church for a number of years. And um, the preacher there allowed me to, Chuck came to the service, and the preacher allowed me to baptize him there. And, uh, and he's growing in the Lord. But... You see, God spoke to his heart and challenged him on something and he responded to what God challenged him to do. Get a hold of Danny and Danny can help you. And So what are you saying? I'm saying there's a, it's a complex situation so many times that brings apart this, this, the, the uh, simplicity of salvation. The third thing is that uh, there was these two servants that, uh, and a devout soldier that had to be willing to follow their master's command to go. The master told them to go. They had to be will- If they wouldn't have went... None of this would have been brought to pass. See, I'm just trying to get you to see there's so many details that go into many times somebody coming to the place of trusting Christ as their Savior. Uh, The next thing, and I'm I'm rushing through this to get to the story, to try to share it with you here. In uh, verse number... uh, 9 through 18, this is that powerful passage about the Lord speaking to uh, uh, Peter here. Notice what it says, verse 9, "...and on the morrow as they went on their journey and drew nigh to the city, Peter went up upon the mount, uh, housetop to pray about the sixth hour." And he became very hungry and would have eaten. But while uh, they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened, a certain vessel descending unto him, as it had been a great sheet, knit at the four corners, and let down to the earth, wherein were all men of a four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, um, what God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision uh, which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius uh, had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, uh, which were surnamed Peter, uh, were lodged there. I'm going to tell you what had to happen here and uh, this, what this is all about. There had to be a breaking of the pride of the man of God to be willing to witness to these people, to go and to witness to these people. Why? They were Gentile. It was a Gentile. I'm not gonna do anything that's common, you know, anything that's unclean. I'm not gonna have anything to do with it. The application is so oftentimes there has to be a breaking of our pride if we're gonna be the faithful witness that we're supposed to be. God will impress it upon us. The Holy Spirit will speak to us. But are we going to respond in a way, in a manner that we'll be obedient to the Holy Spirit and that we'll um, be faithful to witness the way that we're supposed to? Or or are we going to hold back from that? Well, you know what? I'm not going to witness to them. They're a street person. Well, I'm not going to witness to them. They're a Muslim. Well, I'm not going to. Well, well, we need our pride broken to realize that everybody everybody is a soul, a precious soul to God. We need to be faithful in our witness. And uh, so there had to be a breaking of the pride of this, uh, uh, of this uh, individual. Uh, there had to be a sensitivity of the spirit uh, uh, of God and his leading, the spirit of God. If we continue to read on through here, the Holy Spirit prompts him uh, to, uh, to go, prompts Peter to go and to, to, to be what he was supposed to be. Um, again, the Holy Spirit says, just give that person a track. If you're saved and born again, the Holy Spirit lives in you. He's going to speak to you. He's going to talk to you. Give that person a track. Be a witness to that person. Are we listening? Are we, are we, are, are, are we saying, well, there's somebody else will do it. Somebody else will go. Um, the Holy Spirit says, you know what? You need to go to all your neighbors that live around you in your neighborhood, and you need to witness to every one of them. Are we going to be faithful to do that? You say, well, that's, I don't know. That seems like a little bold, a little bright, to do something like that when you move into an area or whatever Uh, my wife and I we faithfully have done that everywhere we've been when we moved into Billtown, we went and knocked every door in and to to witness to the people there why man, you ought to want to know everybody in the neighborhood that you've at least been a faithful witness to your neighbors and amen Holy Spirit will lead you to do that if you listen Uh, there had to be someone that would share the gospel to be willing to share the gospel now listen by the way I'm not perfect none of us are perfect Man, I fail so often. So many to- I think of so many times in my life where I haven't listened to the Spirit of God and haven't done what I'm supposed to do. This message is all about just trying to stir us back up again about Amen. what we're supposed to be doing. Amen. And I remember when I was in the military, I, there was a, my best friend in the military. He was a Catholic boy. And I was saved. And I, I didn't know a whole lot about witnessing, but I know the Holy Spirit was pre- impressing upon me that I needed to talk to him. And, and I never did talk to him. And, and uh, we, we got sent to our duty station. We were both in uh, Virginia. And uh, uh, he, uh, he was on one ship. I was on another ship. We went to school together. We did it. I mean, we were side by side through, a, through the first year, year and a half in the military. And then I I got transferred, moved to a different uh, uh, station and and, kind of lost track with him. His name was Gary. And uh, Gary always wanted to go into the uh, uh, SEALs. He wanted to be a Navy SEAL. And uh, lo and behold, about a year and a half later, I got a letter in the mail that was from his mother. And she said, uh, Danny, we found your address in Gary's belongings. And we didn't know if you heard or not, but Gary passed away. And man, it struck me in my heart. The very first thing that hit me was, God tried to get me to witness to that boy. He uh, he drowned while going, while in the SEAL program. And um, what are you saying, man? That's haunted me all my life. I, as I look back, and you say, well, you shouldn't remember those. You shouldn't know it. Motivates me. What that I'm supposed to be the kind of witness I'm supposed to be to everybody. Amen. Um, It goes on to tell us here that there had to be someone that would share the gospel. And thank goodness that Peter was there and willing to share the gospel. And the thing about it is, is God will do a work in our lives if we'll allow him to. We need to look for every opportunity that God puts in our path. Certain people just had to go. Certain people had to speak. Certain people had, but there was a bunch of different people. It was complex how it was all brought to pass. If we continued on in the story, you'd find out that the, the whole house got saved. He brought other people in. Other people got saved because of it and all. Well, I want to share with you a, a, a story that'll bring out uh, even maybe a little bit more simplistic for you about what I'm trying to get across. About probably 10, 12 years ago, when, when we were back in Gaylord, I was... Uh, um, been gone for vacation over the holidays came home it was like january 3rd or 4th or and uh, i got a phone call phone call was from the uh funeral director in town funeral director said uh, uh, we were given your name by a member of your church another member of your church and he mentioned who it was and said this person uh uh, they uh, they pick up bodies for us and uh they gave us your name we wanted to know if you'd be willing to come and preach a funeral for us and uh I said, sure, I'd be willing to do that. And so they, uh, uh, the uh, person, it was a lady. The lady said, uh, well, let me explain to you the story first. And she said, have you heard about this 17-year-old girl that died? Now, Gaylord's a small town and everything, and most everybody knows everything that happens. And, but I hadn't been around. I said, no, I haven't. And they said, well, this 17-year-old girl passed away from a heroin overdose. And uh, she was given the heroin by her boyfriend. And um, it's a tough situation. There's uh, a lot of friction going on with the boyfriend and uh, all of their friends and the family. and But they don't have a, they don't have a church and they just need somebody. To, I said, I'll be willing to do that. So I called Brother Jenkins and, and, I, and this was on a Wednesday morning. He's, the funeral was going to be Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. And uh, <clears throat> so I called him and he said, man, go do whatever you can do to help them and, and I told the people, the funeral director, I said, I really need to speak to uh, the parents if I can talk to the parents before the before uh, the, the funeral. And they said, well, the only way you'll be able to do that is at the viewing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got to prepare a message for a funeral for somebody I don't know and can't even meet with the parents until right before the funeral service. So I just prepared a message on uh, the, the title of it. I titled it, uh, "What uh, the, the girl's name was Aubrey. What Aubrey would tell you if she could speak to you today. And that she'd tell you there's a heaven. She'd tell you there's a hell. She'd tell you that you want to go to heaven. She'd tell, so that I prepared it like that. Uh, preacher said, we'll be praying for you and all. So I, I, I got there, uh, for the viewing and they brought the uh, couple in and the, the dad's name was Bill. And the mom's name was Amber. And then they brought him in. And boy, I tell you, you talk about people just really going through it. You think of mom and dad, they they were only 38, 39 years old and they just lost their daughter, their oldest child. And, um, man, when they walked in, it was like they were staring right through me. Mom was just sobbing and I introduced myself to her and, and to him and I had him sit down and I said, listen, I said, I need to ask you a few questions before uh, before the service tonight. And I said, the first one, I said, you don't have a church, you don't? And they said, no, we don't. I said, did you ever go to church? And they said, uh, mom said, well, I went to a little ba- uh, Baptist church when I was a little girl, but it was only when I was a little child and I haven't been in forever. And the dad said, well, he said, I was a Catholic. And he said, the only reason I was a Catholic and The only reason I ever went to church was my dad made me go and he said, I got a whole lot of questions about that right now. And I said, well, I'm sure you do. I said, but I got to ask you to do me a favor. You got to trust me and you got to believe me on this. I don't know what you believe about God, but there is a God in heaven and that God in heaven cares about what's going on in your life right now. And that God in heaven wants to, you can't see this, but he wants to bring good out of this terrible situation if you'll just let him, if you'll just trust him. And they just stared at me and he looked at me and he said, well, we need to get back out there. So they went back out and uh, for the viewing and all and then we went into the funeral, preached the funeral. Didn't feel like it went the greatest uh, as far as, uh, I didn't feel like I helped the family very much. Uh, I, when I gave an uh, uh, opportunity for people to trust Christ that right there in the funeral home, there's probably 20 or 30 people raised their hand to trust Christ. But the family, I didn't feel like I did much to help them. And I told them I wanted to be helped beyond the funeral uh, service. And uh, <clears throat> so uh, I got I got done. I got out to the car. I grabbed my phone, looked at it, and preacher had been blowing my phone up. And so I I, I called him and I said, uh, "Hey preacher, I said you're trying to get hold of me." He said, "Yeah, I just want to know how to go." And I said, "Well, I, I don't know that I did much to help." And and uh, he goes, "Well, he said we were praying for you before the service." And he said, "Hey, by the way, did you hear?" This is when the whole story kind of began to take shape and form. He said, "Did you hear?" And I said, "Hear what?" And he begins to share this story with me. He said, you know, Cindy, Cindy McBride was a member of our church there. Her husband had passed away six months prior to this. Well, Cindy was friends with this family, uh, the the mother's brother. They had gone to church together when she lived downstate. And uh, when the... When this girl died, the, that family called up to talk with her and said, listen, we're going to be in the area. Haven't seen you forever. We've got to go to this funeral, but we'd love to see you. And she said, well, why don't you just come stay with me? You don't need to get a motel or anything. And so she opened her home up. Here's a lady that's lost her husband and uh, opens her home up and says, why don't you just come on over here? So while they're there, uh, there's a young man in our, in our church at that time. He's 17 years old. How many 17 year olds here? 17 years old. 17 years old. He, uh, <clears throat> his name is David. Uh, David uh, would go and check on Mrs. McBride. They were really good family friends together and he would go check on her to see if she needed anything uh, after her husband passed away. And he would just stop by to check in to see if she needed anything. And um, when he did, that family was getting ready to go to the viewing. The uh, uncle and his wife and family. And so they're walking out the door and Mr. McBride said, David, I want you to meet this family. And she said, they're here for the funeral. Do you know about the funeral? And he goes, well, what funeral? And she said, that 17 year old girl, he said, well, I heard about that, but I don't know that I know her. And uh, they said, well, her name was Aubrey. And he goes, Aubrey, man, that name sounds familiar, but I can't, uh, man, I can't picture it. He said, uh, well, wait a second, we'll show you a picture. So they went and got a picture and they brought a picture and they showed it to David. And as soon as David saw the picture, he said, now I know why I know that name. And they said, why? He said, I just led her to the Lord last week with two other girls in the gas, marathon gas station on the south side of town. And the, the guy just started weeping and saying, what are you talking about? He said, are you sure? He said, I'm positive. Her and there was two other girls with her. And he said, and you led them to the Lord? Yeah, I led them to the Lord. They trusted Christ. Uh, so uh, he's, uh, he, he said right away, he said, I got to get to the funeral home. And he said, I know who those girls would have been. So I guess he goes to the funeral home. And uh, at the funeral home, he... uh he, he goes up to these two girls who were always with Aubrey and says, listen, I got to ask you a question. Were, were you talked to about the Lord by anybody in the last week? And they say, oh, as a matter of fact, we were. Well, where was this or what happened? Well, we were in the Marathon gas station on the south side of town and this young man came up to us and he gave us these little brochures and, and uh, said, well, what happened? Well, he told us that we needed to be saved. We needed to trust Christ so that we could go to heaven. And they said, what did you do? And they said, we all got saved man I, I told preacher i said good night why didn't i know this before time why you know and uh so uh, i i couldn't wait till the next day to get a hold of bill the dad and uh, to to talk to 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 bill cuz i was going to go over there and take a book to him and help him and so i uh i called the next day i couldn't get a hold of him for a little while and then uh finally he answered and and uh, i said i said bill this is dan martin and and he goes uh yeah and i said uh I said, hey, I was just, uh, I was just wondering if uh, I could come by and bring that book that I was going to witness to him. You know, and now I think, man, I'm really going to be able to witness to him and let him know his daughter got saved. And so uh, I started uh, uh, saying, you know, can I bring this book by? And he goes, uh, uh, yeah. And he was just kind of distant and kind of weird. You know? and, and I said, Bill, are you okay? And he said, I just got saved. I said, what? He said, I just got saved. And I said, you just got saved, man. What are you talking about? He goes, my brother-in-law came over. I said, your brother-in-law told you what happened with your daughter. And he goes, yeah. He said, man, I'm so happy and... And I said, Well, can I come by? He said, Yeah, come on. And so we went. I took my wife and my daughter, Rebecca, went with us, and and uh, we got there. And man, I gave him a hug and, and, and told him I was so happy for him. And whole countenance changed. I mean, you talk about going from gloominess, sadness, sorrow to just a joy in his heart. And, uh, and I turned to Amber and I said, Now, Amber, you, you, you said that you didn't go to church. What about all this? What do you? And she said, Brother Martin, she said, I got saved when I was a little girl in that Baptist church. She said, I just yeah. never lived for God. And uh, I said, what about your daughter? They had another daughter there. His name was, Ch- uh, um, uh, help me, Bailey. And uh, I said, what about Bailey? And they said, what do you mean? I said, well, does she know about all this? Does she? They said, we don't know how to tell her. That. Would you please talk to her? So I led Bailey to the Lord sitting on the couch there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Within 48 hours, 20, well, actually 36 hours, that whole family had the assurance that they were going to be in heaven. Amen. Now you talk about, that was simplistic, but you talk about complexity. What went into bringing this to pass? Well, just a faithful layman in the church that overheard that they needed a preacher that said, if you call this person, he'll, he'll help you. Um, just, a, just a church member lay person in the church, lady, that's going through the death of her husband and still mourning over that and still going through hard, who, who had compassion enough to open her home up to let them, that family come and stay with her. Hey, wait a minute, just a 17-year-old boy that was a faithful witness for God, that was faithful to open his mouth and to share the gospel with these three girls in a gas station. What are you saying? Think about the complexity that brought about the salvation of this entire family. Here's the application. What are you and I doing to make a difference in people's lives? For for one person, it was just saying, hey, get a hold of this person. You say, I, I have a hard time. I, I struggle with trying to tell somebody about the Lord or trying to Get them in contact with preacher. Get them in contact with somebody that you know will share the gospel with them. You can do that much. Amen. Amen. What are you saying? I'm just saying, there's so much more that we could do to be a part of bringing to pass the salvation of souls if our heart was just tender enough to the Holy Spirit to listen to Him and obey Him. Just a family searching for answers. Just a man sensitive to their need. A preacher with an opportunity, myself. A faithful soul winner. A compassionate friend who allowed that family to come in. Uh, by the way, a caring church that prayed that night at the altar. A preacher said there was over 70 men that gathered at the altar and prayed that night. Um, a brother-in-law sensitive to the opportunity to share the gospel with the rest of the family. Boy, how God took that and used that together. And here's, here's the whole, whole thing. Um, Jude 22 says, and of some, what is it? Have compassion making the difference. It really truly is compassion to be sensitive enough to see the need and to try to help and to try to be a witness and trying to be what we should do. I'll leave this with you. Every morning when I get up and when I go through my devotions and I have my time in, with the Lord, um, it's part of my, what I do with the Lord every morning. I, I ask the Lord, please, God, would you help me today, somehow today, to be used to make a difference for you, for your kingdom, for your glory? Are, are we trying to make ourselves, put our self into a position in a place where we can be used of God? You say, well, what can I possibly do? You can be a soul winner. <laughs> what can I possibly do? You can pray. What can I possibly do? There's so much that we can do that might help bring to pass the salvation of many other souls. If we just be sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit. Salvation is simple. And, uh, and Paul warned against that too in the epistles about be careful about making things too complex. No. Salvation is simple. But it is complex how it comes to pass. What, that just shows me that God's trying to use everybody. God wants to use your life. I don't care who you are, I don't care how old you are. God's trying to use you to make a difference.